0: Hi, and welcome to Experience Points by University XP. On Experience Points, we explore different ways we can learn from games. I'm your host, Dave Ang, from Games-Based Learning by University XP. Find out more by going to universityxp.com. On today's episode, we'll cover game mechanics. One of the first things that designers attempt to do with a new game is outline its mechanics. Specifically, they're trying to determine what players will be doing throughout the game and how they'll accomplish it. Tabletop players may know some main mechanics, like placing tiles or drafting cards. Video game players know many mechanics, like directional movement through a space using thumbsticks, like those found in first-person shooters, or choosing dialogue choice options, like in role-playing games. But what are mechanics really? How do game designers use mechanics in practice? How can educators use game mechanics for creating learning games? This episode will review what game mechanics are, as well as how players interact and interpret them. Game designers' roles in creating and using mechanics will be discussed, as well as how mechanics are used for games-based learning and educational gaming. Lastly, this episode will close on what designers should avoid when designing mechanics for their games. So what exactly are game mechanics? Game mechanics represent some of the most rudimentary building blocks for creating games. They utilize the rules and structures of games that create the engaging experience for the player and the learner. Game mechanics are the rules and procedures that guide players through the game. These mechanics also provide the structure for how the game reacts to players' actions. The main mechanic represents the game's core loop, as well as provides the main feedback loop for players. This is a very high-level definition of game mechanics, though mechanics can also be broken down more thoroughly into different actions, processes, and visuals. Those different parts represent abstracted characteristics the game is trying to represent. For example, let's think about movement of a horse in a tabletop game. The player can move the horse throughout a space when they play a card from their hand that indicates move three spaces. That card is called sprint. A player's full hand consists of a total of five cards. One of those cards is called sprint. The rest of the cards are called trot, where the horse can only move one space. This mechanic of playing cards from the player's hand to move the horse on the board represents a core loop of a fictional horse racing game. The cards represent abstracted versions of the horse's energy to cover a distance. The rest represents the horse's ability to trot at a slower pace. This example also represents one of the key features of game mechanics. Mechanics control only one basic part of the game. For this example, the horse's movement is controlled by the player's use of cards. The game's rules can make it so that 1. a horse can only move when a player plays cards from their hand, and 2. Players can only play one card at a time. In this way, the use of playing cards represents the demonstration of a movement rule in the game. The game can then evolve through the use of this main core mechanic. A player may add cards or remove cards from their hand to change the speed of their horse's movement. Changing the ways that these cards can be added or removed from a player's hand represents two things. One, it presents another mechanic in the game, hand building. Now players are given even more agency as they can choose how to play their cards to move their horse, as well as what kinds of cards they can add or remove from their hand. Both represent ways in which players can make meaningful decisions. A good way to remember the central role that mechanics play in a game design is to summarize the main way that the player will interact with the game environment. Mechanics are a way for players to achieve game goals, take player actions, and advance strategies to help them progress throughout the game. Scrabble's main mechanic of drawing and placing letters on the board demonstrates to players how they can score points to win the game. By doing so, they learn that less frequent letters like Q and P can earn them more points, so they should look for more opportunities to play them. Through this, players learn the emergent strategy of Scrabble by playing the game. Game mechanics represent ways that players can interact with the game. It can also represent the ability for players to enjoy themselves, have fun, and be continually motivated to keep playing. This fun factor is important for commercial games, as they are necessary for players to have fun and to keep playing. Though, game mechanics also need to provide constraint as well as give players agency. Sometimes those constraints are added so that more experienced players gain additional nuance and control from the game. This provides them an additional challenge so that they can continue to play them. Other reasons might be to promote fair play and balance, both of which represent decisions in the hands of designers. Game designers are responsible for not only creating mechanics in their games, but also making sure that multiple levels of mechanics work together. Sometimes that means having mechanics influence one another. Now let's take a look at Street Fighter, one of my earliest fighting games. Of course, you can move your character across the screen using your directional pad. But pressing a series of directional buttons in a row allowed you to perform a special move, for example, a hurricane kick. The combination of mechanics for punching, kicking, and moving represented a layering of different mechanics used to achieve special moves and combos, both of which added an additional layer of complexity in the game for players to master, as well as made it a more enjoyable experience. Because of this, it is also helpful to think about mechanics as game rules in two levels, what can players do and what players cannot do. Using the Street Fighter example, players can move across the screen using the directional pad but by performing a special action like the hurricane kick, they can move across the screen while attacking. This is something that the character cannot do with the normal move mechanic, but something that they can do with a special move. By adding this additional level of player interaction through this layering of mechanics, designers can create a variety of ways for players to engage and play their games. This variety gives players both autonomy and competency, two factors necessary for players to remain intrinsically motivated to continue playing. Though, sometimes that intrinsic motivation isn't enough. This is especially true for learning games, educational games, games games-based learning, and serious games. That means that games used for learning must take into account special considerations when designing their game mechanics. Game mechanics at face value need to be considered for how a player will engage and play a game, but different factors must be taken into account when considering learning outcomes for players. That's because game mechanics represent the bulk of the player experience more so when the mechanic is the core loop for players. That means that the core game mechanics also represents much of the learning experience. Because of this, learning games must associate the key learning outcomes with the game's core loop. To do so, designers must create games that clearly link player actions and game mechanics with the desired learning outcome. An example of this would be a professional training seminar focused on closing a job interview. Players represent the interviewee who is asked to provide follow-up questions During the job interview, the main learning outcome here is to make sure that the candidate provides questions that are meaningful and related to the job. That means that high quality questions would continue the simulation with the interviewer. However, if the players don't ask questions or ask off topic questions, then that could cause the conversation to end prematurely. A structure like this incentivizes players to continue asking pointed and relevant questions so as to keep the interview engaging and fruitful. For games-based learning, it's also important to codify and present students and players with forms of assessment, points, and rewards. This represents their progression and learning in the game. Unlike games for entertainment, serious game players should also receive feedback and a debriefing about their play experience as a normal part of the educational process. This is important when using self determination theory to motivate players. They must know that actions taken in the game were helpful in assisting them reach both the game's goals as well as the learning outcomes through their own actions. Of course, game mechanics represent the bulk of the player experience and a focal element for game designers. But game design is not about throwing a bunch of mechanics together and hope that they stick. Rather, designers and educators have to consider the basic mechanics of their game and how they relate to both player goals and learning outcomes. That means that successful serious games should have a solid and repeatable core mechanic that makes sense. Ideally, they should also work thematically within the game, as well as provide students and players feedback on their progression. Other auxiliary mechanics can be added on top of this core loop in order to provide the game more flavor, interesting decisions, and diversity of player choices, just like the special moves in Street Fighter. This episode reviewed game mechanics as ways for players to engage with the game within its rules and structure. Game mechanics were discussed in addition to how players interact with them and the roles that designers have in creating them. Game mechanics were covered in their use for games-based learning. Tips were shared on how to avoid some negative consequences in mechanic design. I hope you found this episode useful. If you'd like to learn more, then a great place to start is with my free course on gamification. You can sign up for it at universityxp.com gamification. You can also get a full transcript of this episode, including links to references in the description or show notes. Thanks for joining me. Again, I'm your host Dave Vang from Gamespace Learning by University XP. On experience points, we explore different ways we can learn from games. If you like this episode, please consider commenting, sharing, and subscribing. Subscribing is absolutely free and ensures that you'll get the next episode of Experience Points delivered directly to you. I'd also love it if you took some time to rate the show. I live to lift others with learning. So if you found this episode useful, consider sharing it with someone who could also benefit. Also, make sure to visit university XP online at universityxp.com. University XP is also on Twitter at university underscore XP and on Facebook and LinkedIn as UniversityXP. Also, please feel free to email me anytime. My email address is dave at universityxp.com. Game on.